Hello, and welcome to another week of Sparring Partners Podcast. Uh, my name is Cohen McKinley. On the other side is Brad Jones. And actually, this is the first week that we are on the Film Fight Freaks website. So, Sparring Partners Podcast presented by FilmFightFreaks.com. Uh, that is the website that I do breakdowns for, and that's the site that now, um, hopefully you found us there. Um, and if you didn't, hopefully you found us on Instagram. Um, yeah, so it's a really cool news. Um, we're officially, you know, uh, a part of the site. So, super cool. Moving on up. Yeah, I'm very excited for that, actually. Um, yeah. So... Yeah, uh, this past weekend, uh, like I was telling Brad a little bit before the show started, um, I, I uh, had to rehydrate. I had to take uh, some study the stars for school, um, but I am I'm all watered up and ready to talk about the, the, the fights from Saturday and some news from this past week. Brad, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm, I'm also rehydrated and ready to roll. All Everybody's got their waters. We're ready to rock post-Halloween hangover and uh, the, the weird, unusual uh, UFC fight card on a major holiday. We don't get that very often. So that yeah. Was uh, yeah, it was a, a common storyline on MMA Instagram uh all the fight fans that were stuck at at their girls uh halloween parties um lucky for us the parties we were at prominently featured fighting um although i wasn't at i wasn't at a, a party when i watched the fights i was at work but you know either way i still got to see them yeah. and uh yeah obviously in the the headlining spot of uh, this this holiday fight night was uh, Anderson Silva and his his last bout in the UFC against Uriah Hall, um, and even though it took place on Halloween, it was way less scary than I think I expected it to be, and I think you expected it to be right. Yeah, yeah, I thought Anderson did uh, did probably the best job of, you know, representing himself. Uh, I mean, since the Izzy fight, but but I feel like those two fights in particular out of like the past like eight, where there was a sense of he like, he wanted it. He was like putting his foot on the gas, actually going for it, where like some of these, some of these fights lately, he just hasn't, it seemed like he didn't want it. He's just kind of there, you know, he's just standing around getting beat up. Um, but, you know, for a 45 year old man, he, he, you know, put up a good, representation of himself still um now granted he, he got knocked out by the number 10 guy in the division um so that's that's a wrap on any any ufc uh any further ufc dreams it's time to close the door on that but i think it's almost certain that he goes to bellator or at the very least he keeps fighting after this i think that's like 95% sure that next year Anderson signs to another MMA organization and continues fighting. Yeah, yeah. That's a, you know, I think it was, uh, it's a shame. It's a shame that, that he fought like that 
in the fight that's supposed to be his last one because that's the his you know um when was his last win it was a unanimous decision over brunson correct brunson, yeah the, the questionable win over brunson. yeah and and even then he he kind of hung back and his last few fights it it's not like he um it's not like it looked like he didn't want to win in those fights uh it just looked like um it honestly felt like he assumed he would win just like just be in there just yeah, being there just being in the fight uh if i don't get knocked out i'm gonna win and and it's just simply not the case and in this one as you said um he was aggressive man he was aggressive and even after even after he got dropped at the end of the round uh which round was that uh, round three three yeah three. yeah even after getting dropped in round three i thought oh no he's he's gonna back way off in this next round mm -hmm. and no he was more aggressive and i uh yeah i'm sitting there watching it at at the shop at my job and i yeah man i said audibly uh i said out loud to myself i was like dude anderson's gonna go out on a shield that's what he wants i think that's what he wants he wants to either knock out or get knocked out and that's not a side of anderson silva we've seen uh no i mean that was not a regular part of the anderson silva experience in the past um but certainly not a part of the Anderson Silva experience of the last uh, six years, seven years. Yeah, this one, this one felt different. It felt like Anderson was taking it differently. Like Dana was fairly straightforward from the jump after he announced this fight. Like, all right, even though Anderson still has more fights on his UFC contract, like this is it for him uh, in the UFC after this. He's not. We're just not going to let him fight here anymore. And I feel like all that talk leading up to it, Anderson just like got it in his head. Like, okay. You know, kind of these last couple fights, kind of like BJ Penn, he wasn't really pulling the trigger, but he, you know, it felt like he was like, okay, this is my last, you know, the last one. I'm in the main event. Like, I'm going to go for it. Like, I'm not just going to get a listless, you know, listless decision. Like, you know, he, he went out on a shield and it, it didn't work for him. He got knocked out, but um, I thought that was the best he looked since, you know, probably better than he looked in the Izzy fight uh, at the very least the best he's looked since like you know six years like you said yeah yeah and it's uh i'm pulling it up now um yeah and it, it's uh yeah uh, like you say it's the best he's looked in a while uh which is ironic to say that about a guy who lost uh via tko that's 45 i can't but, get but over yeah, you're right 45 like, it's insane that he, he went out there in a main event at 45 years old and, like, hung in there just fine with the guy that's ranked in the top 10 at the division. A guy that, like, you know, 10 years ago, that was, like, that wouldn't be, that would have been a joke of a matchup and would have obliterated this guy, but he still hung in there as an old, old man. It was impressive. Yeah, man. Um, take a moment, and do you have the card pulled up by any chance? No, I don't think that happened. Yeah, um... Go ahead and, and were there any standout performances on the card? And we'll and we'll keep it to the oh, main. We'll, well actually, you know what? I want to actually real quick give a couple honorable mentions from the prelims. Yeah. Go um, 
Dustin Jacoby looked awesome. He looked great. His first time back in the UFC in uh, eight, nine years. Uh, coming off it, he won on the Contender Series. Um, and he looked awesome. He got he he had a stint in the UFC before. He went winless before he got cut. Uh, he fought at middleweight uh, back in 2011-2012. And dude, he looked phenomenal. He looked so good. Um, he obliterated that dude. It's, yes. And his the striking edge was very apparent uh, because Dustin Jacoby actually spent time in glory for a while. They said it in the uh, in the commentary for the fight, but but I had I had watched some of his kickboxing stuff to break down contender series. And man, uh, super great. Uh, Miles Johns. Yeah. Miles Johns looks super powerful. Um, for 135. Yeah, 135. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Sean Strickland. Sean Strickland looked awesome. His first fight since 2018, uh, he got in a motorcycle accident, hurt his knee, which sidelined him for a while. But dude, he looked great. His his yeah, striking did. looked uh, transformed. Yeah. Well, this is perfect because the two that I am going to shoot out or shout out, you didn't cover those, so it's great. First up. Uh, Hernandez, Alexander Hernandez. Now, no secret oh, yeah. here. I don't, I don't like that guy. Haven't liked him since before the uh, Cowboy fight, right? right? He talks a gang of shit and he couldn't back it up. At this point, I feel like we've seen him get beat up enough that he's paid the price for his flagrant and excessive shit talking. And it's fine. I'm ready to get him back on track. So he went out there, obliterated the guy, looked great. You know, he immediately started running his mouth off again. It's fine. If you're backing it up, it's fine. You can do it. But he looked great. He looked really good. Um, big win. Really torched uh, Gritzmacher up, like, like for real. He, he lit that dude up, had him hurt really bad. Um, the other one, I want to shout out Bobby Green. Because Bobby Green got absolutely robbed. Bobby Green won the hell out of that fight. I thought Bobby Green won the hell out of that fight, and I was completely shocked when he lost a unanimous decision. I was totally shocked. I, I was not. I was not, and I'll tell you why. Because Please. he slipped back into old Bobby Green. He did do that. Old Bobby Green does not do a lot. He has a lot of volume over the course of the fight, uh, but he takes certain rounds off and. Even if you are landing the cleaner strikes, the uh, he looked better. I mean, like as far as between. Actually, you know what? No, I won't. I won't even say that too because <laughs> Moises Moises looked Moises looked uh, like his striking had leveled up. Clearly, he looked great in the striking compared to his last uh, his last showing. Now, Bobby Green, uh, his last few fights. He he looked he just looked different. He looked like he was doing things consciously to win the rounds and, and uh, putting on pressure, staying high in the volume, wrestling when he wanted to. And the third round of this fight, it really was a one-round fight heading into the third. And Green hung back a lot. And 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 I'm 
And I mean, obviously, it was tough. It was a super tough fight. I mean, both guys had their moments. And I just think that maybe fighting once a month at 34 years old is not a great idea. I, I just, yeah, I, I, yeah, I mean, you're not, I mean, it's not, it actually, now I'm thinking about it. Is it literally once a month? Has it been? Uh, oh, essentially, yes. That would have been his. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I just, I just don't, it's about finding that right balance. And I'm not sure fighting once a month at 34 is, is quite the right balance, but definitely it's good staying more active than he had been. Uh, I mean, I thought he was retired before he showed up on the first COVID card. Yeah, he you know took I mean? a lot of big breaks off. There's definitely a tipping point. I feel like we found that out with Cerrone. Cerrone would go on these crazy runs where he'd just be like, oh, line up the next one, line up the next one. And that'll work for a little bit, but like when you get on like a three and a four run, like you're wore down by the end of it. I, I get. I give Tiago Moises the, the credit that he was switching it up better than, than Bobby was, but in the end, like, he'd spend two minutes, you know, working a takedown and not do anything with it. Bobby Green would just stand back up. And, and granted, Bobby Green was making some not smart decisions later in the fight, just like, but still, even still, I definitely thought that he had won. Um, yeah, the rest of the main car was good. Yeah, let me shout out one more because yes. actually every single one of the prelim fighters delivered big time. Yeah, I did. All the prelims were finishes. Uh, another another contender series vet, uh, Adrian Yanez, pulled off that awesome head kick. Yep. Looked great. Uh, yep. And then Jason Witt took out Cole Williams. I'm pretty sure uh, Cole Williams, Cole Williams must have been a weight replacement. Um, had to be missed weight. He, he missed that. weight by five and a half pounds. Yeah, he had to be. So um, now go ahead and if you would, uh, we covered the main event a little bit, but uh, what did you think of Kevin Holland? And real quick, uh, let the people know what you thought of Kevin Holland, Bryce Mitchell, Maurice Green, all these or Greg Hardy rather. Uh, while I get this cat the hell out of this room. <laughs> yes. Do what you got to do for the cat owners out there. All right. So Kevin Holland, um, I was fairly impressed with him. He, he did what he needed to do. He's coming, he's fighting a guy that's coming in on short notice replacement. Uh, he's manhandling him. Got the brutal finish where he like snapped the guy's neck or broke his collarbone or something. It was pretty brutal, but... Um, Kevin Holland looked great, you know, did what did what had to be done. I'd like to see him get, um, well, he immediately started running his mouth off against Israel, um, which, you know, anyone's going to do if you get a big win in the weight class and the champs sitting cage side, so that's fine. Um, give Kevin Holland a ranked guy next, someone, you know, ranked the 10 to 15 range. I think it's time to get him into the, the lower levels of the middleweight rankings. Um, so that's cool with Holland, you know, get him in there. Greg Hardy, again, a guy, you know, did what he needed to do. Greg Hardy's been training with uh, Rashad Evans the past two months. And I think that is going to be great moving forward. I think him working with Rashad is, oh, look at this. You, you get rid of yours and mine shows up. Yeah. All right. Greg and, Hardy. Dude, post-COVID, 
post-COVID, we'll just have to get a studio or uh, a shared, <laughs> yeah. a, a, a worker co-op or a place that doesn't allow cats. That's yeah. all I got. Jeez. We'll have our uh, we'll have our sponsorship with uh, Manscaped by then, and they'll, they'll pay for our, our new studio. F yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I heard I heard earlier you mentioned uh, Kevin Holland's win against Charlie Ontiveros. Uh, it was a neck injury. Yep. Um, although he felt all his extremities just fine, um, I think it was. It's more than likely it was a stinger. Um, and it's a pain that'll shoot down your neck. Uh, what's a fight that that happened? It was a uh, Max Holloway and Oliveira. That and also Joe Diesel Riggs. I can't remember who yeah, he fought. Right. It was it was yeah. in his latest UFC stint. He, mm-hmm. he hurt his neck. Um, hey, get off of that. But yeah, I do remember that. Yeah. Um. Well, real quick. Uh. Because yeah, but. Uh, one fight that I wanted to talk about, an absolute dog fight, uh, was Bryce Mitchell and Andre Feely. Yeah. That was um, as striker versus grappler as you can get in modern MMA, uh, at the high, the pinnacle of modern MMA. Yeah. Uh, man, super impressed with Bryce Mitchell to gut it out. It, it was not, it was looking um, borderline horrible for him at a certain at certain points in the fight when he could not get Feely down. I believe in the second round, mm-hmm. um, Feely really started to open up, really, really was able to uh, use his defensive wrestling. And it looked really not good for Bryce Mitchell. Um, and he managed to he managed to gut it out. And I don't know, I was thinking about this while I was while I was watching, because some fans out there may feel this way. Um, I have graduated past lay and pray as a complaint. I, I was watching the fight and realized that like in the past, I probably would have not liked the tactic. Because Bryce Mitchell, I mean, let's be honest, the last two minutes-ish of the fight, I mean, he just was kind of hanging out in the full guard, or in the guard of Andre Feely. I mean, he just wasn't, he wasn't trying to pass necessarily. He was doing some little shots here or there. He would posture up for a second. But really, it was just all about ground control. Um, how, how did you feel about it? Uh, yeah, I mean, about the same. Like, we, we really haven't had to deal with um, the, the plague of the land traders in some years now since the, the John Fitch era. I feel like we kind of the whole sport generally kind of evolved past that. Uh, yeah, Bryce Mitchell continues to impress me. He has a specific skill set of an extreme grappler in a, in a division full of strikers. So, yeah, Feely was Feely was 15 and Mitchell was unranked coming into this, and now Mitchell. Uh, undefeated in the UFC, breaks into the, the rankings. Um, still a young dude, he's like 25. Uh, I expect him to have some success in the top of the featherweight division against, you know, you look through the top 10, they're all strikers. So um, you could, you could really pull a Khabib in that featherweight division and, you know, tear some dudes up, I think. Um, now, yeah. granted, I'm not saying he's gonna, he's gonna run through everybody and be undefeated. I expect him to lose in one of his next couple fights, but. Um, 
you know, as he gets older and evolves, like, yeah, I think he'll be pretty. Dude also cuts a gang of weight. If you watched that interview with him um, after the after the weigh-ins, he was struggling. He was talking about how much weight he cuts. He cuts a lot of weight. Um, so he's just big, he's a powerful dude. Um, yeah, I was impressed. I mean, but it's like, this is what I expect coming in. I know Andre Feely's ground game, and, you know, I know he's good on his feet, but I expect Bryson Mitchell to do, you know, what he did, and he delivered. Yeah, and, uh, you know, uh, thinking about it further, I think that probably what it is is that I know that that is not the entirety, like, the last two minutes of the fight is not the entirety of Bryce Mitchell's game. Mm-hmm. Like, if he's doing that, it's because he couldn't catch you, or he, need, he like, literally has to keep you down. Um, yeah. It's, uh, I think it, maybe it's uh, the, yeah, case by case, but you're right, we haven't had to worry about the plague that was... Um, there, there was a point in time where that was a, a big It was issue. horrible. It was a big issue. All these but, dudes take you down and do nothing. Just hold you there. Yeah, that's, you know what, that's, I would love to do a special edition of sparring partners. Top 10 laying prey. No, not like that, but like, boring. But like, yeah, like dive into what it was. Cause was it, was it the fact that like, I mean, we've each been fans for, uh, if we round up, uh, you know, between you know two or three years we've been fans for like 15 years yeah so at the time of laying prey you're talking about yeah i mean like we had only been watching for you know what four years Mm -hmm. at that point so like there's different parts of the game that as i watch longer i know what's like uh that one the most recent one is clinch fighting Mm. right I now know when I'm watching clinch fighting, what is roughly going on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, whereas back in the day, back when I would watch it, when I was a younger fan, I would see them and it just, it would literally look to me like a wall install, as they call it. But now when I watch people against the cage and maybe it's the, maybe it's my understanding of the sport, or maybe it's the fact that the skill level in the sport has gotten to a point where wall install just simply is not a uh, a valuable tactic anymore. Yeah, that was that's something that's been big. The, the rapid the rapid evolution of, of fighter skills over these past like 10, 15 years. Because like, I mean, we just look back at you know like the Chuck Liddell's guys that had just like no skill set at all, but just like stand there and throw crazy hands and they could get so far. I feel like this this group of elite wrestlers came along that was like, we don't have a great ground game, but we're really good wrestlers. We're good at taking guys down. And we recognize that a lot of these other fighters have like terrible takedown defense and bad ground game. And so these wrestlers were like, we can just shoot doubles and take these dudes down and then we don't have to do anything. We just hold them on the ground for three rounds and just walk away with the decision. <laughs> and then yeah, like Yeah, and you know, I've thought about this too. Uh I was trying to write something about it, but it's just too broad of a talk. It would it would work better in like a conversation, but um like skill sets in MMA, uh 
we're like what not even 30 years in no. to like the month started and the it, year we were born so it's yeah a, and it, our life and if like let's say we want to say modern mma uh, just kind of arbitrary right modern modern mma with weight classes and rules and rounds uh has existed for you know about 10 less than that so the sport is very much still evolving and the skill set it's it's a it's circular it's circular because well not not necessarily circular but you get to an age of we go through these phases and at this point it's weight class by weight class but um you go into the the age of the the specialist right you have the age of the specialist everyone does something then then it becomes who is the best at the general skills and then one guy gets those general skills down but then it's also in comparison to his peers he's a specialist and Mm -hmm. then all the people catch up and now it's back to general and then we get another it's like the specialists are the ones that raise the skill the general skill of the division um it's really heavyweight is probably where it's most apparent you have a guy like jds where it's like yeah yeah. he was a boxer you know and then all the rest of the heavyweights are like i thought i had to wrestle because of because of brock lesnar and uh and get huge and everyone was like start lifting weights we gotta get real yeah, big yeah. fight Brock. like shane carwin and like frank Mir like did this whole routine where he's like i'm just gonna put on muscle dude like, why why would muscle on why would dude, muscle be like, muscle he's like all right all right i guess i need to become uh a dark-haired carrot top so let's <laughs> let's let's get this work done um but yeah man the, the fight night uh, this past Saturday was among uh, the better fight nights uh, that we've seen lately. It, it had um, action packed. It action packed, fan favorites, real dudes, real dudes. Um, and the last thing that I want to do is I wanted to take a look at uh, Evan's piece uh, on Film Fight Freaks, uh, fights to make after. Um, it'll be linked down below um if you're watching on on youtube it'll be linked down below and uh if you're listening on on anchor it'll be in the description there um so i'm gonna i'm gonna i like these posts that he does um and you think about these things more than i i do um uh so i'm gonna run some of these past you and and, uh and we'll kind of we'll kind of go off of them And, and we'll start from the bottom so um, we're gonna we're gonna go to actually the main three. We're gonna start with Greg Hardy. Um, and so what Evan thinks is Greg Hardy's next bout should be against uh, Walt Harris, which actually I like that idea quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, I'd be down with that. Um, the only thing with Walt Harris is him being ranked number eleven, which isn't a problem at all. I mean. Greg Hardy fought all the way up to um, Volkov. And yeah, he went, he went the distance with Volkov. 
Yeah. So, I mean, that's fine. Wall Harris is cool. I, I mean, any one of these guys in the 10 to 15 and heavyweight, like um, Marcin Tybura, Blagoy Ivanov, Sergei Pavlovich, any one of those guys. Because it yeah. is, it's definitely time to get Greg Hardy back into the heavyweight rankings. But I just don't want to drown him because this whole time he's been working with basically just like raw talent. He's just like, I'm explosive and I can obliterate people. And yeah. he just now got with like Rashad and a team that's actually going to train him and like show him some of the things that are missing from his game. So I kind of like to, you know, slow, slow, slow build him, you know, but definitely get him ranked, get him fighting somebody in the in the 10 to 15 area at heavyweight for sure. Yeah, yeah. And, and you brought that up. He, he is now with uh someone who is specifically on him like it like camp hardy their 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 project is greg hardy and i think that's really um good move for him because obviously he's 32 which is super young for a heavyweight uh he has time to develop and he's actually developing pretty well he still loads up quite a bit yes um He's he has like still, all the raw potential in the world. Yeah, he's you know he's he's got things to work on, but but uh, so far so good. Um, next on Evans' list, another one I like quite a bit: uh, Bryce Mitchell versus Ryan Hall. Ooh, man, that is a really good one. I didn't even thought of that. Yeah, uh, people keep that's... turning down Ryan Hall, and I have a feeling Bryce Mitchell will not. That's true. So Bryce Mitchell is now ranked 15th, and Uriah Hall is 13th. So yeah, I'm down with that for sure. Um, it would be great. I, I do, just for my own personal reasons, I, I don't know about matching the two grapplers in the division against each other. I get it to be great, but I feel like you could keep them separate for a little while and run them up to the ladder, and that could be like a, a really big fight later on, like the two yeah. best grapplers, jiu-jitsu players in the in the featherweight division, but but I'm totally on board for that. It'd be a great fight. If not that, then like uh I mean good lord, Edson Barbosa is ranked 14th at featherweight, which is like crazy. That's insane to me. But like a Barbosa fight, Dan Ige, Shane Burgos, any one of these guys. He's kind of in the same situation as Hardy. Like he's ranked 15 now. So some someone in the 10 to to Fourteen range, you know. We don't need to drown him in top ten, but like just just start walking him up and yeah, ranking. So yeah, actually, you both brought up something really great. So I love the idea, of Ryan Hall, but that fight against you um, literally just said his name, Barboza. Barboza. Yeah, the fight against Barboza would be awesome, and it would be a name. Not that not that Andre Feely is not an because at this point Andre Feely is established. He's a he's a UFC vet. He's a UFC name. Um, got the rub off of Uriah and the gang, but um, uh, Barboza would be a serious name. Uh, and also for Barboza, it would be good um, to kind of turn back a young fella and prove that he's he's not going anywhere. So I like that fight. And I like the Hall fight because I think Ryan Hall, um, yeah, he brings it up in the, in the uh, 
he, he brings it up in the article, right? Ryan Hall has been begging for literally anyone. Mm-hmm. It please, just someone agree to fight me. Um, and obviously, for obvious reasons, uh, people are not eager to line up to fight Ryan Hall <laughs> because yeah. chances are he's not going to fight you. He's going to dive after your ankle and, you know, BJ pin you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, it's going to be an- unceremonious and he's going to rip your knee in half. Um, and then the last one on the list, and then we'll, we'll move on to some, some news from the past week. Um, and I like this one too from Evan. Uriah Hall versus Kelvin Gastelum 2. Mm, interesting. Mine was uh, Uriah Hall versus Yoel Romero. That was our fight that we had before mm. that was previously booked. Um, Yoel's in a bit of a tough spot right now. But even still, Yoel is ranked incredibly high in the division. Yoel is still ranked um, number five. Um, So he's ranked number five. Yeah, I mean, Uriah Hall was 10 before he fought Anderson. So yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be cool with me. Um, But that is also the Gaston fight also is great. Same situation, Gaslam's in a bit of a rough spot right now. He really needs to get a win. Um, but yeah, yeah, either one of those would be, would be great. Hall is just on such a, he's on a roll right now. It's like three or three fights, three or four wins in a row after the Anderson fight. Um, a lot of these guys in middleweight are struggling right now, like coming off multiple losses like Gilwell and, and Gaslam and some of these guys have been uh, getting murked on lately. And then also you got, what's his name? Uh, Paul Toss out here just running around begging someone to fight him. So it's like, but we've already seen that fight with Brian Hall. Um, but yeah, Yoel. I'd go with Yoel. Yeah, yeah. I, um, you know, Hall did not do himself any favors. I, I believe, <laughs> I believe post fight, uh, Dana White called Uriah Hall the most gun shy fighter in UFC history. Um, which might be accurate. I mean, it's Dana White, so it's, uh, you know, it's a bit, uh, exaggerated. Uh, it's on everything is the biggest or worst in UFC history every weekend to the, to the bald boss man. But, uh, he, I mean, Uriah Hall might be, but also I think, I don't think that you can discount the fact that, uh, Anderson Silva, as a as a hero meant a lot to Uriah Hall and I genuinely do not think that it's uh, Uriah Hall when he was pounding on Anderson uh, I have a feeling that the entire time uh, his inner monologue was please let me stop Please let me stop. Yeah, of course. Like, All these guys that have to fight Anderson. It's just rough. You're just beating up this old man. And the only reason I'll disagree with the... the, I mean, he still may be the most gunshot, but the only reason I would dispute it is because he's hit and miss. Like, Uriah Hall will have hit. He'll have, like, these crazy fights, like the first Musasi fight, or, like, some of these fights where, like, He'll get an insane, crazy knockout. He'll look great. He'll look super turned on and like really, really in it. But then, yeah, there's times you know he just doesn't throw anything, and he's kind of 
not there and out of it. Kind of the same situation with uh, Cerrone, you know, like Cerrone yeah. will have times where he'll show up and he's, he's like locked in and, you know, he's murking dudes and looking really great. But then other times he's just kind of not there. Um, so, yeah, that's another guy where he he talked extensively in the uh, in the post-fight interviews about his his mindset. And he also recently switched camps. Um, he was talking about he's, he's so much of a like a loner and was doing things kind of on his own before and he's just now started to like get a team around him and kind of you know really start putting things together kind of like Greg Hardy is so yeah yeah he's he's with Fortis now I believe yeah that's right yeah yeah yeah, man so I think that that I think that that does it uh, with our coverage of of the event um, I mean, we planned, we planned it. it. This tells you how good of an event it was, because uh, we both before uh, before we started recording, we we're like, ah, there's not that many storylines coming out of this, and we've spent I don't know half an hour discussing yeah. it. It was, yeah. it was a great card, and we haven't even discussed. Uh, and we'll keep it brief uh, because I think we both agree on the answer. Will Anderson Silva fight again? Yes, absolutely, but not for the UFC. Yeah, yes, uh, and I think that uh, it is not good. I think it's not good. I think that Anderson Silva could go to Bellator. Uh, well, it's it, it it's important to think about how his contract is structured because UFC contracts generally make it so that the UFC gets to do what they want. And if the UFC wants to not let Anderson Silva fight, but also not let him sign anywhere else, I have a feeling his his contract does that. Um, but at the same time, crazier things have happened in MMA and uh, yeah, I think that I think that Silva could end up in uh, Bellator, but also you got to remember, One FC is active right now, and they are huge. They're massive. They're not huge over here, but in Asia, they're massive, and they pay their athletes very well. And their athletes also don't have to cut weight. Um, not that Silva would love to go fight in Singapore, but he's traveling he's either way. He's traveling either way. If he fights for Bellator, they don't do events in Brazil, really. Um, so I know it's, you know, it's all speculation at this point. Uh, but I think that, I think that Silva's answer to Bisping post-fight, um, was honest and also kind of sad because Silva Mm -hmm. said straight up, like, if I stop fighting, it'll break my heart. So like, he just, he just wants to ride this thing till... The, the, the wheels That's, fall off. Yeah, that last that last wheel falls off. And yeah. it's not it's not going to take too long. But if he goes to Bellator, he could probably pick up a win over uh, I don't know Rick Hahn. Is he a middleweight? I don't know. Speaking of all this, I like to sneak Actually, it. No, sorry. Is Rick Hahn a middleweight? <laughs> I don't. I'm going to figure it out. No, I'd like no to sneak an extra topic in here that was uh, it was not on our in our discussion, but it'll fit in perfectly as to where we are right now. Let's yeah, uh, let's let's briefly a lightweight. 
Rickon is a is a lightweight. Apologies. Almost. Okay. Let's uh, let's briefly let's briefly review this uh, this Musasi title fight in Bellator that happened on Thursday night. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, so we can, it has, we can it talk has about connections to all this stuff. Yeah, uh, not so. We had MMA happening around the globe this week. So we had uh, Musasi fighting on fighting Lima. Um, and then we also had uh, some upset wins in one uh, one FC. Uh, we had some really solid uh, wins. And, and while you uh, uh, inform the people about uh, your thoughts on Musasi Lima. This one's very easy. I will tell you, I did not like the fight in watching it, and I'll tell you why I didn't like the fight. Because before the fight starts, I'm sitting there, I'm watching it with your brother, and I'm like, we're we're, we're recapping the end of Musasi's UFC career, and so I pull up I pull up his record, and I'm like, oh man, that's right, Musasi left the UFC on a five fight winning streak and a four fight TKO or knockout streak. He was on a hot roll was fed up with the uh, the situation at the time of Bisping and GSP being champion and then left and went to Bellport. He was a very on a very, very hot roll in the UFC at the time. And still to this day, right, a very, very elite guy, still, you know, relatively young for the amount of crazy miles he has on him. So, so I'm sitting there and I'm like, man, you know, and he, and he went to Bellator, he got the belt, beat the piss out of Rory, you know, and then he, he lost the belt to uh, – uh, dude that's gone already now and so he gets the gets uh, the belt. Javier so. Jr. Yes. So before this fight starts, I'm thinking, okay, as I watch this fight, I'm going to compare the two people fighting in this fight against Israel Adesanya. I'm thinking, yeah, I wonder what wonder if these guys are like, you know, on on a level of, of Israel Adesanya because I they may be. I don't know. So let's see. So the fight happens. Right out of the gate, first and second round. I'm like, what are both of you doing? Musasi, there's like, like no movement. There's no there's no head movement. There's no arm movement. There's no leg movement. He just stands and he just like plots around the cage and Lima's not doing anything to make him pay for it. Lima also was super unimpressive for whatever reason in that fight. But the whole time I was just like, what is going on? You guys would get blown to bits by like Israel especially but like I think some of the other guys in the, in the top of the middleweight division I was just like I always felt like Musasi fights up to he fights up to the level of competition that he's against he had and and I, I was like Lima just was not bringing him was not bringing him something that, that that brought a good fight out of him he was like I'll just you know I don't need to do much here I can just kind of coast and just get a decision. But after that fight was over, I was like, "Good God, that was that was like one of the that was one of the best things that Bellator had to offer." Um, in terms of like, we have two elite guys in their prime. They're both champions, our welterweight and, and middleweight champion. You know, like this, this is like this isn't the old washed up men. These are like our our guys, our our best of the best. And it was it did not go for me at all. Yeah, man, it was uh, it was disappointing. It was not as explosive as I think anyone expected it to be. Um, and I will offer you this. 
do you think Musasi is bored? Yes. He's bored. Yes. Like I, yes. I, I got the feeling in that fight that he was, yeah, he was just kind of bored. Like, I don't think, okay, the guy has, uh, let's see, 53 fights. Yeah. 53 fights. Crazy. He And he's 35. Mm-hmm. He always, I, you know, I always forget how young uh, he is compared to, like, forever. you know, mm-hmm. and he, yeah, he looked, uh, it was a listless performance yeah. from Stassi. Yeah. And on Diego Lima, he seemed hesitant to engage but i mean for good reason he's he hadn't fought at middleweight uh i think they said on the broadcast in in around a decade he, he used yeah, to 10 years yeah um and so i think that he was i mean it's not that it's not like he wouldn't have prepared with middleweights i just am not sure what his like if he was injured or if he was it just wasn't your typical Lima performance. Yeah, that's the thing is that Lima has been there too. So I don't expect him to be a guy that gets intimidated. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's something more to, uh, there's something more to, I think the Lima side. Uh, on Musasi's side, he just seemed like he was like, He's like, I guess I'll do this. I don't yeah, know yeah. what to do. And if you interviewed him, that's his demeanor most of the time anyway. It's yeah. just like, yeah, whatever, I'm going to do this because this is what I do. And uh, yeah, that's it. And and uh, yeah, it wasn't, it was not the most exciting fight. Uh, Lima came alive finally in the fourth yeah. round and started landing. Yeah, but he never, he never let the hands go really at any point. And, yeah. and it's a shame too, because when he would, uh, he was catching uh, Musasi occasionally. Um, but then again, no, no one on either side, uh, with exception of a few moments, uh, really went out on a limb in that kind of way uh, to be offensive. Uh, Musasi showed some good grappling, like usual. People always sleep on his grappling, but it's it's arguably the strongest part of his game at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And and uh, we we had mentioned that um, there was when when we compare him to the UFC, uh, the champion, the middleweight champion, and middleweight champion is he middleweight champion. Uh, Musasi, that's still a fight I would love to see, because as as listless as Musasi seemed in that fight, I think he matches up very well with Israel Adesanya, um, as far as pedigree goes, as mm-hmm. far as experience and pedigree, because uh, Musasi is not only a 53 fight MMA veteran. He also has kickboxing experience. Yeah. Um, so that's a fight that I would still love to see. It's just a matter of like, it'll probably never happen uh, because Musasi, I don't think the UFC 
management at least liked Musasi very much. Uh, he was never really pushed. He was pushed when he got signed. And then he had a decently boring fight with the Alir Latifi. He would when they would push him, they pushed him to three number one contender fights and he lost all of them. And then at the end and then at the end he finally he finally went on his five fight streak and he's like, All right, now I'm ready and they're like, Yeah, well, too bad. The, the top of the vision's tied up, just go on. Get out of here. They're just uh, yeah, I think that was con- a contend like his leaving or him staying in the UFC, I believe, was contingent on a title shot. Yes. He was uh, very much like I am I've like done and he was the guy. He had just he paid Chris Weidman when he left. So like he was clearly the next guy that they were like, nah, we gotta do this this whole like this ping and GSP and Robert Whitaker and Yoel situation worked out and he was like, I'm out of here. Well, you're not gonna win out on that one. Yeah. You're not. Um and in addition, I'm not gonna get too too deep into it. We don't have to. It's news in the MMA world, and I would, I would be remiss if we don't at least mention it just uh, for the the global appeal of our sport. One uh, FC, One um, FC. I'll tell you the name of the event. Inside the Matrix. Mm. So get your trench coats and your dark glasses ready because One FC is here uh, to entertain the masses. And so in the third fight down, I'll go in the third fight. Um, Martin Wynn, uh, their featherweight champion, uh, he's a phenomenal fighter. He hits super hard. Uh, he has legitimate one-shot KO power. It's really something to see. Uh, when he's on, he's on. And in this particular fight, he took on Tan Lee. If you remember him, UFC vet Ton Lee. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was on. He was on the Ultimate Fighter, I believe. Um, yeah, either way, and he fought in the UFC. He was. He was. Uh, he's been around actually. Uh, when he was exposed to audiences in the UFC, he was. He was a pretty young guy. Uh, he obviously he did not. I don't believe he made it into the organization. Um, if he did, it, he lost pretty pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, he caught. If, if uh, you've not watched it, it's a really great watch. He he comes back because because uh, Martin Wynn was doing what he does, and he had Ton Lee super hurt. Comes in for the finish, gets caught as he's coming in to catch Ton Lee. It was great. Um, and then, are you familiar with Christian Lee over in One FC? Nope, I've never watched a one FC card. I don't know a single person one FC at all. Cards, these cards are really good. The rule set is awesome. Um, knees on the floor and elbows on the floor. No stomps on the head. Mm. You can't have it all. But yeah. uh, Christian Lee is really something to watch. He's 22 years old. He has wins over Shinya Aoki. Um, to win the, he defended his featherweight belt and then he moved up to 55, had an awesome win. And then really the main story, and and you will undoubtedly know um, Angwa Sung, uh, the Burmese Python, their double champ in 1FC, um, their middleweight, light heavyweight champ. 
Well, he finally lost. He got choked out in the first round uh, by a man, a man named uh, Reiner, the Dutch Knight, De Ritter. Uh, really uh, quick. I mean, he, the dude said all week, uh, yeah, I'm going to choke him out. I'm going to, he just said yeah, all week in interviews, I'm going to choke this dude out. And then, uh, yeah, at uh, 326 of round one, uh, he did exactly that. He did uh, it. Yeah, it was a really fun. Uh, I really wish One uh, FC was more available, and I didn't have to like accidentally catch it mm-hmm. via the One FC app. Because uh, were they supposed to be on TBS? TNT was the TNT. deal they had set up, and I don't know what the hell ever happened with that. Well, okay, those were just a few quick things. And before we get get out of here, there were a couple topics that. Uh, news that broke um, right after the fight. Some things were made official. Some things were made official during the fight. Real quick, because I think we'll spend the least amount of time on it. The Ultimate Fighter officially comes back March of 21. Uh, It is Bantamweights and Middleweights. Uh, They have not announced the coaches yet. The trailer... As much as we have talked trash about the state of the Ultimate Fighter, especially in probably the last, I don't know, four or five seasons, that trailer got me pumped for some Ultimate Fighter. I don't know about you. What's been gone for a while. It's a typical situation of like, you know, we were we were drowned in this thing. Like you recall, we used to have two seasons of the Ultimate Fighter a year. We'd have a spring season and a fall season. It's just ridiculous. It was too much. And now that we've had, what, two, three years of it gone, however long now, it feels like it's been a couple of weeks now that we haven't, that, as in the ESPN era, there, it hasn't existed. So. No, it has not. And uh, the reason why you can't remember it is that even us, even even you and I as hardcore fans, the formula got old. Yes, and it got talent, old. And the talent, ultimately, the compelling thing about Ultimate Fire back in... I don't know, the first 10 seasons was that they were consolidating all of the best regional, uh, all of the best regional talent in the world at this point. Well, you know, the world, mostly US, but, but ostensibly the world. And they, they brought them together some un, but now the UFC is so big that if you're worth discovering, You've been discovered. Mm-hmm. And with the with the contender series up and running the way it is, like that's something that we're gonna basically get two seasons of a year. Um, yeah, the the skill, the overall skill level of the guys on the Open Fighter um, generally drops. But I mean, really, the only thing to even speculate about is who the coaches will be, which I have a feeling that I I know who these two coaches are gonna be because this is big deal. It's the first time it's on ESPN. Right, people had already known the stale formula of tough. So the big thing is you gotta get two big coaches. You gotta get two coaches that hate each other. So you can have some nice, contentious fury. And those two coaches are Colby Covington and Jorge Masvidal. They have to be the coaches of the Ultimate Fighter. Because that would be something that would get your casual people to tune in and watch. If you think back, though, over the years, there's been some crazy people that have done the Ultimate Fighter that you totally would would never have expected them to do it, and their seasons were off. 
like Brock Lesnar doing the Ultimate Fighter was a terrible mistake because it it ruined at the time the mystique around Brock, and you had to see him just be a normal guy every day. Yeah, he's boring. It's just boring, and they even got Connor to go on against a guy he wasn't even going to fight, and a guy he's just friends with now. And it's just like it's it's weird. They they yeah. used to just throw whatever they could, but. Um, yeah, I have a feeling that is what what they're going to do because they've already told us that's the fight they want to put together early next year. Both of those guys, massive casual appeal. At the very least, Jorge. Jorge has massive casual appeal in a, a contentious. I mean, does too. Covington yeah, does yeah. too. It, it may not be the people I hang out with, but he does. He has he does. casual appeal. True. But yeah, that's that's the only speculation I got on it is, you know, if you're, I'll watch, I will watch this season of the Ultimate Fighter, and, and then we will take, we'll take it from there. <laughs> I mean, the <laughs> thing see how the season pay, goes. You know, I pay, uh, you know, I pay for my ESPN Plus, and it's it's only on ESPN Plus, so now it's more original programming. Unlike back in the day when Fight Pass first came out, and they pitched like you'll be able back when they were doing their like. Uh, I mean, I, what was it real? Uh, it was like world effing domination. Yes. yes. Right. Yeah. Where they were just like, okay, so Ultimate Fighter worked in the U.S. So now we need one in the U.S. We need one in China, in Japan, in Brazil, in Australia. Brazil. <laughs> yeah, yes. Brazil, and. Uh, and they would, they would be, uh, it would too all much. be region locked. Yeah. They're like, pay for Fight Pass because then you can watch all UFC's content. And then they would region lock the Ultimate Fighter. So I'm just, I'm just excited to get to watch Ultimate Fighter on a service I pay for, uh, for the first time ever. So that will be great. I also wonder if they will, will tweak the formula any at all. Like, uh, you know, they, they tried the live season. That didn't work out very well. But I definitely think there's there's some tweaking to be done in the formula. Like the they in the past bunch of years, they've kind of gotten away from the the house stuff. Really, they didn't really focus on the dudes in the house anymore. It was just kind of like you know we're just gonna show you their fights. But um, yeah, yeah, whatever. I'm interested. They they got me hooked. So I'll watch it. Yeah, I predict I predict uh, more. Uh, I predict more coaches challenges and the return of alcohol in the house. Ooh, yeah. 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 It's, it's totally on good. ESPN Plus, baby. It's time yeah. to come out. Yeah. Let them get loose. Yeah. Let them make their own decisions. Let those coaches compete over, you know, $10,000 a piece and, uh, what was it like a thousand bucks for each of their? Yeah, I remember on their team. You know what's, whatever, yeah. dude? You know what's messed up is because the coaches haven't always been like the creme de la creme homie of of UFC athlete. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they've been like just a guy, just a normal dude. Like mm-hmm. um, the lowest of low seasons, which was Shane Carwin versus Roy or uh, Roy Nelson. Yeah. That's exactly what I was about to say. So two two normal, just like UFC roster dudes. If they did a coach's challenge, because I don't remember that season because I didn't watch it, 
So if they did a coaches challenge, $10,000, winning $10,000 in a coaches challenge is like a side, is like a double digits percentage of their normal fight purse. So like, they've got to win this match of badminton. My kids need to eat. Yeah, we we got to win this game of badminton. (laughs) Me and and Roy Nelson. Um, Yeah, so in addition to the Ultimate Fighter coming back, uh, there were two things that I thought were particularly of note. Uh, One thing is, uh, and I think this is probably the least interesting and more just kind of like, because it could be anything. Um, Khabib Nurmagomedov is not going to be stripped for yet a while. Uh, Dana White said that he does not want to start planning a lightweight division, uh, a future for lightweight without Khabib in it just yet. Um, So it could be two things. It could be one of two things. It could be Khabib is genuinely having second thoughts or he has spoken to his mother or um, whatever, or it could be the UFC hoping that Khabib is just like every other UFC athlete. Um, And if that's the case, I think the UFC is going to be pretty disappointed. Yeah, that's what I'm on. I'm on the, the ladder there. I think this is, I don't think Khabib fights again in the UFC. I think he, he was very uh, authentic with everything he said post-fight, and I think it was just mundane being like, ah, you know, hold on, kid, you, you're a big star, and we can do this one more and get you to this 30-0 and and be crazy. And, yeah, I, I just I don't think he's going to bite on that. It, it, the, the thing is, it's it's about the opponent. That's the whole thing. The whole thing in, in this final push of getting Khabib this one more fight it's the opponent. Any rematch, not going to work for Khabib. Khabib is not going to accept a rematch against any of these guys he's already beat. It's got to be somebody new. And it's, other than GSP, who's it going to be? You think Khabib's going to be like, oh, Michael Chandler? Yeah, I'll come back for that. No, he's not going to do that at all. I, I, I feel like it's it's literally GSP or bust. There is no other option. It's Yeah. And, and it would have to be at 155, too. And GSP's ultimately been like, yeah, I'm kind of, like, super old now, and I don't really want to have to go to 155. So I just I just don't think it happens. I think in, like, you know, two months or so, like, I think they're like, okay, we, we stripped the belt off the beat. We're moving on. I honestly, I think as soon as, as soon as McGregor raises enough of a, an issue about it. Yeah. Really, I mean, I, I, I'll say this. I think McGregor is past trying to pick a fight with Khabib. Um, so, I mean, as of you know the past half a year, I mean, he hasn't even spoken about the dude. And if he has, it's been well wished. Complimentary. Yeah, yeah. Things of that nature. Yeah. So he he doesn't. Not stupid. No. He, he got he got smacked. He knows. You know the odds are against him in a rematch, right? He he can go in there, and make a bunch of money, and it'd be it'd be wild. But like overall, it's probably more detrimental to his brand if he rematched to be and got smashed again, rather than just be like, "Hey, get out of here, Khabib, go away now." And then then I can I can get back on top. He did a thing today. He went on Twitter, started answering questions from people. 
he was very respectful of Tony, Khabib, all these guys. But in one of those, he was very specific of next year, 2021, that whole year is, is lightweight. I'm focused on lightweight. I'm going to get my lightweight belt back. And then I'm going to welterweight and I'm going to, we're moving on to do that. So, yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Lightweight. We'll see how that goes. Lightweight is genuinely a possibility. We'll see. You gotta, you gotta see who the champ is, really. Because yeah. if it's Usman, um, that ain't uh, off topic. Okay, whatever. Yeah. We can talk about him versus Usman when when the fight gets signed. But uh, really, we should talk about a fight that just got signed. How's that for a segue? I, I have not segued the whole episode. And I nail it at the end. Save best for last. Yeah, I said best for last. Uh, Israel Adesanya, it's official, moving up in weight to fight Jan Blachowicz uh, for the light heavyweight crown. Um, you know, there was something that I had not thought about uh, when we discussed this fight last, and it, it was actually it was brought up on. Uh, DC and Hawani is that this is a a bad look for Izzy to go on and on and on about how he needs time to get ready to move up in weight to fight John and um, as soon as John is gone from light heavyweight it seems to be as soon as it was as soon as something interested him more than his own division, he's just he's just straight yeah. up, no no time to adjust, just I'm gonna go up and get the belt. Um, I personally don't think it looks bad. I honestly still view it as chasing Jones, but it is the like the logical why would he fight Jones his first time at 205? Why why would he do that? He like I I think that this is calculated by him. And I and I think while some people may try and detract and say he is only moving up now because Jones is gone, I don't see it that way. How do you see it? Um, I don't love this matchup, but I don't hate it either. I do agree with you that this is uh from Izzy's angle, it's it's definitely like uh this is him enticing John to come back to two oh five. We got this terrible situation where it was just the timing's just bad for, for this thing. Like, you know, John's like, all right, I'm gonna dominate this division for 10 years. Like, let's go up and do this heavyweight thing. At the exact same time, or no, well, he did that like a month before Izzy's like, all right, I've like wiped out middleweight in two title defenses and now I'm bored and, and I wanna fight again in like three months. What do I do next? Um, so, just unfortunate timing on that, whatever. It's a weird, it's a weird situation because, like we talked about last time, your only other option right now at middleweight is with the Whitaker rematch. That does nothing for anyone. Whitaker doesn't care about it. Izzy doesn't care about it. The UFC, whatever. They're just moving on. So, so I get it. From Izzy's perspective, he likes to fight a lot. Stay active. He's ready to go to the beginning of next year. There's no one for him to fight at middleweight. Fine. It's the light heavyweight side of this where it's a, it's an issue for me because. This light heavyweight division it is is being framed like Israel Adesanya and John Jones. 
are like fighting for the, the dominance over this 205 division. And it's like, neither one of them are champion there. We just established a new champion and we just opened the field to get like all these light heavyweights back in action. And instead, what we're gonna do is immediately try to get that belt around Izzy so that John wins the heavyweight belt and then goes, well, I'm gonna go back down to 205 and get that belt back from Izzy and then get this crazy fight. So that's why I don't like it. In my own personal preference, I would rather see uh, Blahovich defend the belt against this weekend's winner of Santos and um, Glover. But I understand none of these people have any type of name value to sell pay-per-views whatsoever. I get it. The UFC is going to be would be much rather invested in either a John Jones or an Israel Asanya in the title fight. But so it's going to happen. There's no there's no denying that the UFC wants Israel to win this fight. A hundred percent, they want Israel to win this fight. They want him to double champ, get the two belts on him, and entice John into into this big matchup. Um, so it's whatever. You know, it's cool. The fight will be cool. Um, I do have concerns generally about Israel going up. Because remember, there's a twenty pound gap in between middleweight and light heavyweight. Um, he's not a big dude. He's like, you know, he's a real middleweight. So I don't know. I just don't know how how he's gonna look because this is another situation of like, it's not like he's he's like, oh, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna start lifting weights and for over the next couple months, it's like he's gonna pull a max versus Dustin where he's like, I'm just not gonna cut weight for this fight. I'm just gonna walk in there. It's like, yeah, it doesn't work when you move up weight classes and you just like, I'm just not gonna cut weight like. I fully expect Jan Blachowicz to be like much bigger than him. People are talking mad stuff, being like, "Yeah, he's, he's going to get the light heavyweight belt, and then he's going to go up and fight John at heavyweight." And I'm like, I don't know. Multiple people have said this. They're like, they're like, yeah. They're, uh, instead of instead of John, instead of John coming back, is he just going to go on up and fight him at heavyweight? And I'm like, I don't know what you guys are seeing, but this dude is not that big. He's he's not that big. He walks around in like the 190s, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's another situation of like these double champs have historically not worked out in, if, what do you do with, with these two weight classes? Like, if Izzy wins both the belts, okay, so no one's gonna fight for the middleweight belt in like a, over the course of a year? Is Izzy expected to really jump back and forth 20 pounds between each? He's not gonna do that, nobody's gonna do that. It's, it's like, this isn't a weight class, it's just 10 pounds apart where, you know, Amanda Nunes can just like hop back and forth. So, it, screw, it screws up, there's one division no matter what. No matter what happens, one division is getting screwed over here and it's just gonna make a mess of things. These yeah. double, the double champ era just makes messes of divisions. It's, it, is, it is classic, it's classic UFC. As soon as, as soon as, because both divisions have been a mess, mm -hmm. you know, in terms of long timeline, it's only just recently that both weight classes are starting to just settle into business as usual. Leave it to the UFC to just be like, yeah, we're not doing this. We hate this. We hate this. You tell me, you tell me, middleweight just reestablished itself after the after the Michael Bisping fiasco. All right, cool. Let's just destroy it again. Yeah, we're done with that now. Oh, light heavyweight feels like it's about to come alive and be an active division again. Nah. Let's try to get John Jones to fight there again. Yeah, <laughs> we need Jones back down. We need Jones. Uh, 
we got <laughs> we got Charlie Day next to the newsroom wall. <laughs> so we need Jeff. Yeah, we gotta we gotta get John out of here. Get Jan in there. Get Adesanya in there. Then John can come back down. The whole thing's a mess. I just like yeah. I just yeah. Well, you know, UFC's going UFC and they you know, they have not been blatantly well, I mean, they're like a, you know, uh, estimated value of billions uh, with a B business, so they're always blatantly chasing money. But it's <laughs> as of late, they were not as blatantly chasing money, and things had been more sport-based matchmaking as of late. I mean, listen, man, when you got a card... Well, also, it's because the UFC's hand is forced. Because these fight nights... I mean, I'm... I'm not gonna... I mean, we got Tiago Santos, Claudio Teixeira on Saturday. I'm excited for that fight. There are some good fights littered throughout the rest of the, the fight night, but... Um, nothing that I... Nothing that I'm particularly pressed to uh, break down here. Um, I don't know if you feel the same way. I mean, it, we can go no, ahead and like, into the card if you want, or we can just. Um, it's the way it's the way things things are now with with the the way they have to kind of do things around Rona. At this yesterday on Saturday night, yesterday they announced the main event of next Saturday. Like, in it happens in like thirteen days, and they announced the main event. So like. We're getting these these announcements on like no notice at all. It's it's RDA versus Islam Makachev in the main event. Um, yeah, that that card didn't have a main event, and, it, and we got it on 13 days notice. So it's like this is just how they have to do these things. It's just like it's not even on Google yet. No, it's like it's they're just it's like all right, throw it together, whatever. You Wait, know, so okay. they just threw one in between? Yes, there is a 55 is on the 21st. Yeah, so the 21st is 255. This this weekend, this the 7th, is Santos and Glover, and then the 14th right. is RDA and, and uh, uh, Islam Makachev. And I don't even know if there's anyone else even on that card. Who else is even on that card? Like, they, they're having to put these things together and be like, you guys got to fight in 13 days. Like, oh, okay. So that's that's like, how, how are we? are we really supposed to get prepared for these things? Yeah. And then by week, people are popping for COVID like nonstop. So like, it's, yeah, it's what... dude, the UFC's operating like a, a 4th of July fireworks tent. You're They're shooting from the hip. They're just like, ah. Monday. Yeah, you drive home from work the night before. When you leave the next morning, there's, you know, there's three of them just littering the road. It's, uh, yeah, okay. Well, I mean, just, just honorable mentions uh, for for the card, and I'll just I'll just say them, and, and then we can get out of here because uh, I think we've gone a little bit longer than normal. Uh, we have Tiago Santos, Glover Share, of course. I love that fight. I think it's going to be a banger. Both dudes are down to throw. They are down to throw down. So I'm very excited to watch that. Andre Arlovsky, uh, the timeless man, he comes back and he takes on Tanner Bozer. Um, as Andre Arlovsky, it could be super fun or it could be super not fun. Um, Ian Heinish is on the card against Brendan Allen. Claudia Gedalia is on 
Picard begins to, uh, Yan Zhaonan, I think that's uh, a woman from China, 12 and 1. Um, I recognize the name, I don't know how to say it, and uh, she's she fun just, to watch. She just beat uh, Angela Hill. Yes, yes, she's she's good. Uh, we have Trevin Giles on the card. I like him taking on Bevan Lewis. Uh, both dudes that I like quite a bit. Um, Darren Elkins, The Damage, uh, taking on a fighter who is 13 and 1. Um, ah, Max Griffin's on the card. And uh, that's, I mean, that's it as far as people. Um, I know the name of. Yeah. 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 It's cool. It's fine. Cool card. Yeah, it'll be. It will be a fun. Hopefully, it'll be a fun card. That main event really ties it all together. Uh, main card starts at 10 p.m. Uh, a 10 p.m. fight night, which is, uh, which means we ain't getting out of there till about one. Maybe mm-hmm. yeah. later. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Let's hope Tiago Santos can stuff a double leg. Uh, because if not, Glover share is going to be hanging out in that guard for a while. Yeah. Or actually, yeah. you know what? I take that back. Glover, if he gets a takedown, Glover share more than likely is going to catch an arm triangle. That's just what he does. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, all right, dude. Well, that is this week's episode of Sparring Partners. Uh, and once again, for the first time, uh, you know, presented by filmfightfreaks.com. Um, you know, uh, we didn't get to it, but the Contender Series is not on Tuesday this week. It's on Wednesday. Uh, and your boy, uh, Kobe McKinley, uh, wrote a preview of it. So uh, it's down in the down in the description. If you, if you want to check it out, uh, please do. Um, in the meantime, uh, if you like the episode, please give us a thumbs up, uh, subscribe, uh, comment down below. Uh, if you made it this far into the episode, the very end. Um, and also keep an eye out for our clips, the, the little blue icon ones. Um, those are, are, uh, generously cut up by our, our main man, Brad. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Another week down and, uh, Feeling, I gotta hydrate, man. I gotta hydrate some more. Yeah, gotta keep the water flowing. All right, dude. Well, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's the episode. Thanks for listening, guys, and uh, we'll see you next week. Peace.